0: Hello and welcome to a Friday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. I'm your host, Keon Sabani, and we're bringing in for a long-overdue visit Jeremy Baranov into the Calderon, our friends over on SB Nation on our sister website. Uh, This is our third derby of the season coming up tomorrow at the Bernabeu. And it's uh, it's incredible that we haven't gotten together yet this season, especially given how much has happened. I mean, there's been a lot of drama, unfortunately, behind the scenes. Um, Hopefully tomorrow we can just... Talk about football and focus on that. That'll be that'll be nice. And yeah, we're gonna bring in Jeremy. He's gonna tell us everything that's going on with Atletico Madrid this season and give us all the updates for a full scattering report. So, Jeremy, welcome to the show, man. How you doing?
1: I'm great, man. Great to be here as ever. I always love hopping on the show uh, as the Atletico ringer and uh, excited to talk about another derby. There's been uh, some some bad blood the past couple meetings.
0: Yeah, there has been. Um, what let's start let's start here. Let's start with um what's going on with Atletico this season. You guys have had a weird transfer window in the winter transfer window in terms of your your record signing Zhao Felix is now a, a Chelsea player, and you've had some movement, you've had some lineup changes and formation changes throughout this season. You have highs and lows. It seems to be a typical Simeone season of late. Um where are you now compared to where you were at the beginning of the season? Are you guys in a better state mentally? and, and Or like wh- where do you assess right now Atletico's morale and their form?
1: I think psychologically things are a bit better. It's clear that there needed to be some kind of clear out, some kind of cleaning of the dressing room. It seems to have zeroed in on many of the Portuguese-speaking players that were at the club, for better or worse. Um, we, we have had a couple of really weird transfer windows back to back. In the summer, it was made very clear by the club and sporting director Andre Berta that the years of, of the big signings were over. The years of really expensive signings are through. Uh, we're we're going to change up how, how we approach the window. Our, our, our financials are, are bad. The, the pandemic just tore a hole right through a revenue stream, et cetera. And, you know, as a result, we spent about 30 million euros in the summer. And most of that was on Nahuel Molina, who is now our first choice right back. And in the winter, things got even weirder because we tried to be both buyers and sellers. Um, the selling had to come first. So Mateus Cunha is gone to Wolves. Uh, we are going to be pocketing around 40, 45 million euros for him, which is a great deal, given he still has not scored a single goal this year. Uh, Joao Felix, as, as you mentioned, is now at Chelsea with... Uh, I'd say a pretty high probability he's going to be a permanent player there this summer. They're going to work out some kind of deal, particularly if Simeone does stay at the club. Uh, they brought in Memphis from Barcelona for basically what amounts to a solidarity fee. Um, and I, I think the hope is that this was addition by subtraction. Since the World Cup, Atletico have played better. Uh, I think we're now pretty odds on to finish somewhere in the top four, whether we do catch La Real in third or we end up finishing fourth is to be determined. Um, but I think we're we're probably going to finish top four again. It has obviously not been an easy road there. And I think if we still had multiple competitions we were juggling, we would not be favorites to finish top four. This is a really weird season and a really weird team that Simeone, like last year, has struggled to get the most out of there. A bunch of players who don't really fit his style uh, and, and, and vice versa. Um, we have several players who – Play nice, neat tactical, uh, technical football. Uh, very different from the early years of, of Chiliso. So it's really been this this constant tug of war between: uh, Is Simeone ha, has he won the players back? Uh, is there some kind of revolt in the dressing room? Um, and Atlético's results since the World Cup have definitely been trending up. Uh, we've won eight of twelve since the uh, since the return to action from Qatar. The only two losses came to you guys in Barcelona. So I'd say that's pretty good. Um, So things are better, but they're still not great, if if that makes sense. That's, I guess, the short answer is that things are weird, but trending slightly up. Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, like, it's all relative. Like, is this trending up compared to Atlético Madrid uh, maybe a few months ago? Yes. Is it trending up from what you guys were in 2014? Um, No. Maybe not. Maybe not. Top four, I think, is more than a realistic finish. Obviously, you guys are there now, I think. All, all signs point to the fact that you guys will be in the Champions League next season. Um, if if you're looking at this, and even Real Betis, who are kind of right there, I don't know how if they can sustain it for a whole year and and go toe to toe with you guys. I I would say that to go fourth place at least is a is a is a fine bet, maybe even third place. Uh, defense obviously is not what it used to be. All Black kind of went up and down. Seems to be okay again in terms of just like an overall. Holistic. I don't like where. What's your assessment of Oblak, Actually, I, I'd be curious to know.
1: Not as good as he once was. Uh, he hasn't returned to the mountaintop uh, that he scaled in 2020, 2021, when we last won the league, of course. But he's much better than he was last year. Last year was really bizarre. Uh, he let in a bunch of goals that you just would not expect the keeper of his caliber and his reputation to let in. This year's been better. We are have the second best defense in the league. I think we're tied with you guys, actually. Uh, yep. And we're both behind Barcelona and their Lukey defense. Um, so we've got the second best defense in the league on pace to allow 30 something goals, which is a lot better. Still not what it used to be, but a lot better. Given that defensively we are still pretty weak. Um, Mario Hermoso has been our best center back in the last six weeks, which is which, shocking. It's surprising. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's been really good the last shocking. few weeks.
1: He has. Um, and it's largely because he has tempered all of his, uh, his headless chicken act defensively, he's calmed down positionally. He's so much better, and he's melded that with how good he is on the ball. There is no other player, let you know, let alone defender in this team, who can play the ball out of the back like he can. So Hermoso coming back in has, oddly enough, given us a lot of stability. Uh, Oblak, uh, again, isn't quite back to his best, but he made a couple of really sharp saves last weekend against Athletic, and he was really good against Celta the previous weekend both of which were 1-0 wins, which is the the, the Chili's hallmark. It's really good that we're winning games 1-0. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, nor do I expect it to be, but that's our identity. For so many years, that has been our identity, and we're slowly but surely kind of getting it back, and All Black's return to some level of form uh, has been a big part of that.
0: Um, as a football fan, my hope is that Joe Felix is amazing at Chelsea and proves everyone wrong because I love the way he plays. Are you, like, how disappointed are you that that, that just didn't work for such a talented player? And, and who's who's to blame? Is he to blame? Is it the tactical scheme and it just wasn't suited to him? Or maybe he wasn't as good as as maybe as advertised. Like, what, what actually happened there? And how disappointed are you that it didn't work out?
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky one because there isn't I think one party that you can point the finger at and say right it's his fault right it's their fault I think everyone kind of kind of shares the blame uh, between Joao and Simeone I think it's probably pretty equal uh, Simeone never afforded him never really afforded him the text the the tactical flexibility or or the freedom that he craves that he, he seems to talk about in every interview, especially recently, um, that, you know, I wasn't given license to Rome. I had more fun playing for Portugal than I have playing for Atletico. And, you know, that's fine. Again, we're not everyone's cup of tea. Um, and, you know, if you're an, an attacking player and you go to Simeone's Atletico and you don't succeed, all the blame uh, goes to Simeone. You get off scot-free. Mateus Cunha was the same way. When Cunha left the club in January, his father gave an interview to a Brazilian outlet and say, you know, my sudden couldn't succeed in Simeone's setup. You know, it, it's the tactics they're constraining. And yeah, we all laughed at that, but there, there is a little bit of truth to it. Um, on the other hand, you have Joao Felix, who is now 23 years old, and he gave another interview today talking about, I was at the club for three and a half years and, and the fans never made a chance for me. And hmm. I, like a lot of Atlético fans on social media, were like, well, what exactly did you do to, to warrant a chance, my guy? Uh, you know, uh, Joao's form would always go up and down. Uh, it would always be disrupted by something, whether it was an injury, whether it was an ill-time suspension, whether it was somebody else coming into a form. Um, it, it just, it was always an odd marriage from, from the off, right? Because the way Joao plays football uh, is really different from how, Simeone's Atletico is best understood and and how we built this reputation over the course of 10 plus years Uh, so it was always kind of ill fitting and and never really an easy seamless fit Um, Simeone tried a number of different things to try to get the best out of him and Joao would have periods where the the first half of the 2021 season he was the best player in Spain Uh, like uh, no doubt in my mind and then he got an injury he broke his foot he played through a broken foot uh, he gets hurt again last year when he has you know, 10 goals or assists in 10 games, he gets the muscle injury. He's out for the rest of the season. This is the final five or six games. That was just constant stop, start. Um, and there's really no one person to blame for that. It, it's just, it's kind of on both of them. It's on the club for not really brokering a better solution for not telling them they had to work out their differences and, and it, it is sad. Uh, it's very disappointing um, because he was the club record signing. He was the golden boy, right? Here's our our, our very own Ballon d'Or contender to, to ship up with the ones who go to Barca and Madrid, you know, perennially. And now he's, I, I think we can probably consider him a Chelsea player from here on out. Uh, it, it's tough. And there, there's no, no one person or one circumstance to which you can point the finger. It just, this is how it happened. It just wasn't a great fit from the off.
0: You know, it's uh one of those signing I mean, the stop start stuff, you can't blame anyone, really. It's it's just unfortunate yeah. when that happens to any player. Um, no one likes it. You know, the player obviously is not is definitely frustrated that he can't just have rhythm and he's getting injured. It's really frustrating. I mean, it, it is striking to me that when you have when you sign a player for that much money, you invest that much money. I just feel like so many clubs do this. You know, we have that at home with Hazard. Like, we spent a lot of money on Hazard. Yeah, He had the stop-start thing. But that also, to me, is is more like that's his fault. Like, he didn't take care of himself. He's 30. Right. He, that that stuff he he got away with when he was in his 20s, taking off-seasons off, it's well-documented. But then he hits later on in life, you just, your body just doesn't get away with it anymore. And that, that's his fault. That's not professional of him. So I can actually, I feel like I actually can, we can point, blame like to point the finger at him for that but um but it just does amaze me when a club invested that much in a player that there isn't really it doesn't seem like sometimes it's well thought out does this player fit is this the player profile we're looking for because if you're spending that much money you better be damn sure you know what i mean yeah and so like i some sometimes my mind just goes to these places like i often think like what happens after they go just take that money let Zhao Felix go somewhere where he would actually thrive and then just sign every single dream player that Simeone wants for that money. You know, we could get like three or four, three or four people, like the, the Sauls, the Coques, the Llorentes, or try to, try to find the next Godin, the next Jimenez, et cetera, the next Felipe Luis. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so that, that, that's just a, a thought that enters my mind <laughs> often. That's uh. It's what I do, yeah, I and and,
1: and that was what I would do if I were running the club, Keon, but I'm not. Uh, Atletico's transfer strategy has always been very reactive. Very rarely is it proactive. Very rarely are Atletico going to go out and get and get someone to augment the team to um, make it better. More often than not, we're buying replacements on the cheap. You know, we sold great examples when we sold Thomas to Arsenal three years ago, two and a half yeah. years ago. And we pocketed over forty million from that. That was
0: three and uh, a half years it, ago.
1: Wow. Yeah, deadline day, twenty twenty. Um, so he goes to Arsenal, and we pocket most of the fifty million. A portion of it went to Leganés, I think. Um, but we pocketed over forty million from that. His replacement is Jeffrey and who we purchased for a quarter of that. Yeah. Because you know he is friends with Peter Lim, and they're friends with George Mendes. This is how Atlético's transfer business operates. It's a very small, you know. Cabal, a very small group of agents and representatives. This is why we've done so many deals with Tottenham in recent years. You know, Kieran mm. Trippier, Sergio Reguilon, and Matt Doherty uh, That's the reason why we're just acquiring all of the fullbacks that Spurs don't want.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned Memphis earlier. Uh, another gift from Barca. Yeah. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of gifts from Barca, Antoine Griezmann, you know, obviously, we had that weird situation early in the season, which seems so long ago now, where he was only playing a certain amount of time because if he played more, there was the clause would kick in or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Barca and that renegotiated that, so it's more straightforward now. He's been amazing. Just looking at the numbers now, top four in uh, expected assists, top four in through balls. Top three in key passes, top five in like almost every offensive metric. He's been really good. I mean, you can just watch him and, and you don't have to talk about those silly stats. He's been really good. Um, How important has his resurgence been? And how far away is he from old Griezmann? Is he there yet?
1: I think in some ways, Keon, he might be better than ever. And yeah. that's shocking to me. Um, because we watched him last year, he comes back from Barcelona deadline day in that really convoluted loan deal with that 40 million obligation to buy looming over our heads, and he has a really difficult season. It's disrupted by injury, which happened in, in a Madrid derby when Danny Carvalho tackled him, and that interrupts his readaptation. He's out for a couple of months. Uh, he finds some form at the end of the season, but it's largely a really disappointing campaign. And there was legitimate talk over the summer, are Atletico going to try to offload Griezmann? Uh, how much resistance will they face from Simeone? Um, but the season starts, he's playing only half an hour each game until, you know, it, deliciously petty. But until they renegotiate with Barca, he's playing only half an hour a game. He starts the season with a goal at Hitafe and he's just taken off from there. Uh, Griezmann has meant everything to us. Again, uh, he has rebuilt his game again he's readapted he's made himself into a new player for like the third time in his career his second time under simeone and atletico um and the goal he scored against athletic last weekend was vintage griezmann um the one thing that has kind of left him the past 12 18 months has been his finishing ability but he scored a fabulous solo goal against athletic last weekend just the slaloming run down the left kisses it off the base of the far post and in uh, so, you know, maybe I should keep my mouth shut about his finishing ability because he's still got that in his locker. Uh, yeah, without Griezmann, I don't know where we'd be in the table, but we certainly wouldn't be fourth. Um, he is, once again, essential to Simeone. The entire attack goes through him. Uh, he has been recently shuttling between midfield and the forward line in a 4-4-2 slash 4-3-3 that we've been employing recently, and it's generated pretty good results. The team is playing better. Still not great, but playing better. Um, Griezmann has taken on more of a leadership role than he did in his first stint here, which has also been really important. He's helping to to bring players like Pablo Barrios through, uh, one of the most promising players in our academy who just got a professional contract. Yeah, Barrios has been awesome. It's it's really exciting. Um, Griezmann's taken on that leadership role. He's reassumed that mantle of responsibility uh, that was so heavy on him in his first stint with us when he was um, a down-door podium finisher um he's basically more of a roaming eight a, a playmaking do it all kind of eight now uh, but he's still super effective like there aren't many superstars like him players with his kind of rep who will track back who will pull fullback or wingback do he when the coach asks it of him uh Griezmann it still appears to be in great physical shape um after his injury last season that was a, a genuine worry at least for me that maybe his body's starting to break down but no, he's still running seven, eight, nine kilometers every game. Uh, he's setting up goals. He's scoring goals. I think he has 13 goals and assists now in La Liga, which is one of the highest totals in the league. He's been great. He's got a genuine shot to end the year with the most assists in the league and double digits in both goals and assists. He's He's been brilliant. Um,
0: just trying to keep up to date with the health and the the, the squad situation right now heading into the derby. I know that uh, Memphis and Morata seem to be okay. Like, there may have been some question marks, but they train normally today, I think. And one player that is possibly not going to make it is Kondogbia, who didn't train. So I know Kondogbia, Regulon, and DePaul, DePaul, I think, are the three. Is that accurate? And what is the starting 11 going to be, do you think?
1: Yeah, DePaul's going to miss the game, which is a big loss. Um, I've been very critical of Rodrigo DePaul. Um over the past two seasons because, frankly, I don't think he's been a professional and he hasn't really ever found form. But since the World Cup, he's looked like a different player. He looks a lot more like the guy we signed from Mudenesi for 35 million euros. So that, that'll be a big miss. Um, Kandogbe is also out with uh, a muscular injury like Paul. Regulon is likely out longer term. I think he has a, a, some kind of tear. So he's facing at least a month on the sidelines, if not longer. I doubt we see him play for Atletico again. What a random signing. He's just going to be a footnote, man. We're going to look back on this team in like five years. and
0: You think, don't think Sergio he's going to them?
1: No, it was a dry loan from Spurs. He's going to go right back there over the summer.
0: Huh. Okay. Yeah. I guess Reguiland I'm just surprised that you're so sure signing. that he just is not going to... like. You you just don't think that he's going to be given... I don't know. I don't know. I suppose I'm just surprised that you're so sure yeah, that that's all. He's played...
1: I, I think 97 minutes this season and four or five appearances. Stimiani hasn't counted on him. He hasn't made a single start. He didn't even play until November because he was recovering from groin surgery. It was it was just a, a weird and kind of doomed acquisition from the start. And, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain he's going to go back to Spurs and they'll find some solution for him there. Okay. As far as what we're looking for the starting eleven this weekend – and Barrios a moment ago, and Simeone has been working with him in the starting eleven all week. Uh, he's been trying out uh, four defender formations, five defender formations. Uh, I think we're going to see four at the back and uh, uh, the four-four-two, four-three-three hybrid that's been working for us recently. Oblak will be in goal. Uh, Savage and Hermoso, I expect, will be the central defense pairing with Reynaldo and Molina uh, as the fullbacks. The midfield trio, I think, is going to be Coque Barrios, and Sal Naguez. And Sal has been a, a periphery figure since returning from Chelsea. He struggled to nail down a role in the team. So this will be a, a big surprise and a big opportunity for Sal if he gets into the 11. Um, Yannick Carrasco is also going to start on the left, pushing up. And then Griezmann and Arente, uh have the that that Simeone's work he hasn't started as a forward in a long time, I think since the Champions League quarterfinal loss to Leipzig a few years ago. So it's been a while. And that also is a bit of a surprise that Maratta isn't going to start in this game. Uh Memphis isn't it still isn't really match fit. So Memphis isn't going to start either. But that is what Simeone has been working with uh, the past couple of days, Griezmann and Yorente up top, probably flanked by Carrasco.
0: Uh one more question. <clears throat> What is the key matchup for you?
1: Key matchup is going to be Molina and whoever else trying to slow down Vinicius. Uh, I'm not sure you'd agree with me, but I think Vinicius played probably the best game of his career in midweek. Uh, He is in electric form. He's an electric player, um, really assuming the burden of stardom at Real Madrid, which as you know, not is not for everyone. Um, I think... We we had some success slowing him down in the Cup last month. Obviously yeah, Molina, Molina did,
0: a, did, did good in that game, I thought. He did. I got to tell
1: you, Molina's been really good lately. Um, we signed him, and he was our only natural right back. Has been our only natural right back for most of the season because of our A-plus squad planning. So we kind of just threw Molina into the deep end and said, you know, sink or swim. And he struggled in the opening months, but he's been very, very good, especially since the World Cup looks more and more like a Simeone right back each game. And he, he did a pretty decent job. We sent a lot of different defenders and a lot of different looks at Vinicius in the cup last month. And that really slowed him down forced him to go wide or laterally. It didn't last, but I think Simeone will be looking to try to repeat that tactic with Molina, maybe throwing Coke, maybe throwing Saul at him. Cause Saul has been pretty good defensively despite his offensive failings. But I think that's going to be the key is slowing him down and you know, hoping Mobile Black pulls out a couple of saves and we get a draw out of this. I'd be happy with that.
0: Uh, all right, man. Well, it was great chatting with you, getting some quick insight on Atletico. Felt like a bit of a rush podcast, but uh, if you guys listening wanted to hear the Real Madrid side of this, I'm hopping on the Into the Calderon podcast, so you can listen to that. Um, Jeremiah, Jeremy and I are going to do a segment for the Into the Calderon podcast. You guys can listen to that. And also, just a quick housekeeping, if you're not a patron yet, over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid, you missed the post-game show right after Anfield uh, on Zoom and also yesterday's mailbag. Jeremy, I wish you were in Madrid, man, because uh, tomorrow after the game, Sam Leverage and Ewan and I are going to get together for the post-game show, which is universes crossing because uh, Sam and Ewan both also write for Into the Cauldron and they do work for Managing Madrid, so... Uh, it would just be awesome if you were there too, man. It would have been really, really cool to have you up here. So I uh, hope you hope you can make it out soon. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much for giving us some of your time, man.
1: Absolutely, man. Great to be here.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. And before we send you along on your way and wrap it up here, we wanted to give a quick shout-out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid, the ever-growing Real Madrid family that is being built there is incredible and we're really thankful to be on this journey with you guys so shout out to all of our patrons who get a ton of bonus content if you want to get in on the action go to patreon.com managing madrid and a specific shout out to these 10 plus patrons because if you pledge 10 dollars or more not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast so shout out to these 10 patrons as follows brandon alvarez Willie Reed, Will, Will Sousa, Wei Paring, Tobias Arroyo Botcher, Taleb Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujai Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil, Shabaz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Sorosano, Samuel Justin, Samer Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaseda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Adai Afadi, uh, Nico Laxo, Oscar Barrera, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Marin Myrtle, Michael Zinberg, Nicholas Moeller, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rentechiro, Frederick Sundros. Faisal Hamdan, Essay Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sausman, Daniel Williams, Khan P, Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Ardnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armand Armando L, Anirud Singh, Ananya Kumar, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Andar Lukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun Ramtin Magrur, Fabio Moreno, and Daniel Smith. You guys are legends. Thank you so much. Love you all and Hala marir.